Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is the podcast that always features incredible success stories from e-commerce business building warriors around the world using the internet creatively to launch and grow multiple streams of income. And today we've got a treat. Of course, I'm talking about Brian and Robin Joy Olson. They're two of the great coaching directors on our team who have coached numerous students to success through our proven Amazon course training program. That's right. Most of the success story interviews you hear on our show, we've got hundreds of them, are students of the Proven Amazon course. ProvenAmazonCourse.com is the website. And we love giving specific tips as well. So our podcast is kind of a mix of people who have succeeded doing the stuff we teach and specific strategies and tips to help you get where you're trying to go in your business, specifically focused most of the time on success with Amazon. Thanks for making this show one of the most listened to shows in all of e-commerce. We get about 100,000 downloads a month of this show just on iTunes. So maybe you're watching on YouTube. You should know there's a lot of audio-only episodes at silentgym.com that you might be missing if you're only watching us on YouTube. So get over there, silentgym.com, and subscribe so you get that nice steady flow of a couple new episodes, interviews with our successful students every week. And I've got a freebie for you. I'll stick all this in the show notes as well. If you don't want to write this down, that's fine. But I'll just say it one time. You can rewind if you need it. Text the word FREE, F-R-E-E, to this phone number, 507-800-0090. That gets you a free copy of the latest version of my book that's been updated at this point 11 times. It's sold over a million copies over the past 20 years to all kinds of e-commerce warriors around the world. The latest version is now ready. It has been for a couple months. People are loving it, sending us great feedback. We want to give it to you at no cost. You get the full thing by following the instructions I just gave you or get into the show notes. Go to silentgym.com, find this episode, and you can see the show notes and get all the links you need, including everything we're about to learn from our great coaching directors, Brian and Robin Joy Olson. They're going to talk to you today about finding more test-worthy ASINs, some of the specific strategies that they're seeing working, how to run the business the way that we teach it, and so many people are getting great results in our community. We are very bullish about the future. Just on a personal note, I've got to say, you know, the world's a little crazy right now. We can all read the headlines. I'm not going to dive into the politics of that, but I can say this. Do you think people are more likely to stay home and shop or more likely to go out and shop? In the next three, six months, year. I think they're more likely to stay home personally. And I think I'm probably right on that. So I think we're going to see an explosion in e-commerce. Now is the time to be learning these skills. Now's the time to be to learn what it means to sell on Amazon, to sell online, to run streams of income from the comfort of home. If that resonates with you, you've come to the right place. We've got a free Facebook group with 74,000 people in it at silentgym.com. If you're not in there yet, you need to come check it out. Come look at some of the introductory videos we have in there, some of the success stories. We've got 1,900 success posts in that group of people who are doing the stuff that we teach. You can be inspired by that. So this is a place of inspiration and encouragement. We want you to keep fighting, warrior. We're in your corner. We believe in you. We got your back. Let's jump in and learn some great stuff from Brian and Robin Joy Olson, our great coaching directors. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. This Hi. episode, we are coming to you from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Yes, we are. Where we are? On retreat. Uh-huh. Working on KIPA training. Yes. Updated and comprehensive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, from, 
I don't want to call it A to Z because we're not going to cover every no, ton of stuff in there. But preliminarily, we were calling it or thinking of calling it like comprehensive Keepa. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We we need something a little more uh, mm, descriptive. Yeah, maybe descriptive. Yeah, we're working on the title. Yes, yeah, still working <laughs> on the title. But we've... And we're working on some content this yeah. weekend. But yeah. yes, there's more Keepa training coming. It's going to be updating everything that um, advanced Keepa sourcing. 1.0 and 2.0, we're going to include all of that and update all of that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to include some more information, maybe that will be more, not quite as advanced for beginners. And then some more things that you might not have known about Keepa mm-hmm. that uh, are have, we found pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so, excited about that. So on the trip up here, we were talking about, hey, remember when you first thought of Amazon? Yeah. So I have my story and you have your story. Why don't you just share real quick the first time you remember anything about Amazon? Gosh. Okay. So remember the days in the early 90s? Well, we were first. Early 90s. When we were first married, right? Okay. No, I don't think it goes back that far. Yeah. Well. It's the late 90s. I remember we we were, ah, yeah, maybe late 90s. Well, somewhere in the 90s. Okay. Doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, I remember. This uh, Amazon was this great bookstore. It was this great big company online, which not very many companies were online at all at the time. In fact, we only had internet at the time with the dial-up and the you know the noise that the AOL CDs, the AOL CDs. You had to get a CD in the mail, and then you had to put in your checking account, and they had to debit your checking account when you paid by minutes. Right? Mm -hmm. Was that right? Yeah. Or so, hours, yeah. Or hours, yeah. I remember talking to someone who actually who used to work for you years ago, and he told me that one of the biggest things, uh, money makers that you don't have to do anything for, is AOL, who still has people's checking accounts that yes. they make a monthly draw from every month. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but I found that interesting. Anyway, that I remember that was kind of the first part of Amazon that I remember, and it was only books at the time. That's not the story you told me at all. It's not. No, the story you told you were telling me was you remember going onto the Amazon website and seeing books and oh, noticing yes. that there were new books, but then there were also used books right there on the same. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was after. Uh, I mean, that wasn't the very first time I'd ever heard of Amazon. Oh, okay. That was probably the first time I ever looked at the site or had the ability to look at the site. Okay, is that what you were going yeah. for? You got to, you know, we obviously didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. We were preparing in the car on our little drive up here. So, sorry about that, folks. Try to keep up. We're going to go fast. Well, I remember, uh, th- I remember back in like 2000, yeah. during the dot-com bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few stocks that we could have bought at oh, yes. like IPO time. Uh, whatever. And um, Netflix was one of them. And we were Mm -hmm. avid Netflix uh, fans at the time. Yes. Um, So I was like, I understood understood Netflix, but I didn't understand Amazon at the time. I knew it was an online bookstore, but I was like, oh, I got Barnes and Noble. I don't need Amazon. Right. Right. So, and it was kind of off my radar for a long time Mm -hmm. because I wasn't really an online shopper. Right. Um, I figured it was a place well, where... Well, nobody really was back then, right? Right. right. <laughs> but then when I started exploring it a little bit more, I started listening to a podcast, led me to another podcast, led me to something else. And then I realized that Amazon was really the everything store. 
Yes. And it became that very mm-hmm. quickly after it was just books, didn't it? And yeah. all of a sudden, so I remember what you were talking about when it was just books mm-hmm. and then you'd see in other offers and there was the new book that you could buy directly from Amazon. And then there were some used books that mm-hmm. you could buy a used book for, for less because it was used from somebody who already owned it and they would ship it to you. And I thought that was pretty novel at the time. Yeah. Right. So Anyway, it was all new. Like if you're just now thinking about what does Amazon potentially look like for me as a business opportunity or Mm -hmm. as a third party seller on Amazon, it's likely that many things that you hear on this podcast are new to you, including terms like ASIN and listing Mm -hmm. and FBA, FBM. And and third party seller. Third party sellers and all that. So Mm -hmm. it does take a kind of a little bit to get caught up on that jargon. Mm -hmm. You really start putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. But that that's what we were talking about that led us to like, oh, remember the first time we thought about Amazon, right? Yeah. Because we had done some eBay stuff like we've already shared, but uh, eBay is... Right. But this is even before we did the eBay stuff that you're talking about when the... Oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. had the opportunity to buy Amazon shares for yeah. 15 bucks. Yeah, it was something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were... Those were mm-hmm. Well, we had no idea back then. So. Right. Everything was a gamble, it seemed like, in the dot-com yeah. boom, dot-com bust, right? Right. So right. A lot of people didn't made know. a lot of money, and a lot of people lost a lot of money and, real and, fast. And as your average Joe, I didn't know. Most yeah. people don't we, know what yeah. Amazon you know, could turn out to be. So um, anyway, but the cool thing about Amazon, what Amazon does is gives third-party sellers the opportunity to come on and sell and not have to create your own listing. In mm-hmm. other words, you find a listing that is already on Amazon. What's a listing? It's a detailed page about the item that is for sale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, and you can buy that item from that listing. Right? right, right. But you can buy that item from that listing and you don't necessarily know who you're buying it from because this is a community listing. Yes. And a community listing means that anyone could theoretically offer their item for sale on that same listing. So unlike eBay, where if we all had, you know, our iPhone 12s that we wanted to sell, we would all make our own listing for the iPhone 12. Mm -hmm. In the case of Amazon, there would be one listing for an Amazon 12. I'm sorry, for an iPhone 12, (laughs) Amazon 12. And then, uh, and then we would all list our phones on there. Right. 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 So it'd just be the one listing. And then the customer has the option to go through the different sellers and pick which one they want, or they could just pick the first one and buy it from yeah. them. Well, this is the joy of the buy box. Yes. But this is why the customer, the shopper, doesn't really know nor pay attention because what is no, over often what, they don't. Yeah. What is making it super obvious is the buy now or add to cart button. It doesn't say so, you know, uh the little line that's in very small text that says sold by whatever store. And shipped by Amazon. And shipped by Amazon doesn't really stand out. So most people like us didn't even realize we were buying from third. Oh, yeah. I thought I was buying from Amazon. I I thought I was always buying from Amazon. If I bought from Amazon, I had no idea how that worked. So these, but these are brands you know and love. Mostly, right? Community listings are brands that you already know and love. Mm -hmm. These are individual items of those brand things, multi-packs, variety Mm -hmm. packs. Think of a pair of jeans from Levi's, a mm-hmm. pair of shoes from uh, Adidas, mm-hmm. a box of cereal from Post, mm-hmm. or a two-pack box of cereal from Post. Yes. Right? Whatever. These right. these are the kinds of listings that we're talking about where you can go find a product in another marketplace for less than what is on sale, uh, what it sells for on Amazon. And then that's the arbitrage model. So you go, you buy it from a Boss Gods or a Meyer or a 
or a Publix, and mm-hmm. then you resell it on Amazon. Correct. Yes. Okay. That's one of the models, right? That's one that's of the models. A- that's the community listing. Yes. Yes. And that's that's where we usually like to see people start. Mm-hmm. And we like to see people find those that can be replenished, those that sell over and over and over again, whether that same customer buys them again, or there are just enough customers that keep buying that, that it goes out of stock. So those are the best ones. Yep. Right? Yeah. Then there's the other side of the not community listing, the mm-hmm. private listings, right? Uh-huh. So with a lot of times you'll be browsing Amazon. Yes. If you're a third-party seller, potentially looking for other things to sell. Or if you're not a third-party seller, you're a shopper and you are looking for something that's fairly generic, mm-hmm. um, like the ever-popular garlic press. Yes. Right? You just <laughs> hop onto Amazon and type in, you know, garlic press. And then you see listings after listings after listings of all different bi- garlic presses, all different brands, all different styles, mm-hmm. just about right. everything. And names that you've never heard of before, mm-hmm. most likely a lot of Chinese mm-hmm. brands and offers on there. And and that is what we, or I say garlic press, but it could be really anything. It could be if you have a light bulb that you had uh, manufactured under the, your brand name instead of Philips mm-hmm. or whatever. Or a water bottle or mm-hmm. any, any, you know, whatever the item is. Sure. Yeah. Pretty much anything. I mean, uh, I find it hard to find things that you can't find on Amazon. Yeah, that's why I was saying like it was the everything store before, yeah. right? I remember when I was first poking around about things to sell, I found that they sold those little lights that go in the bottom of your car door. Because I was <laughs> I was trying to get so creative about I finding things to sell. Oh, when we first when we first bought an Audi. And uh, we were looking at them. They opened the door, and the rings, the Audi rings, show up on the yeah. on the pavement. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing!" Right. So then we started thinking about. Hmm, so I was like, "Oh, those they are make pretty cool. I wonder if you could make those like with a Batman symbol and whatever." And you can't. Yeah, sure enough, and it was already out there. <laughs> so, um, but you think the things that you would never even think about there that you would think that nobody thinks about they're already out there, <laughs> right? Not everything. Obviously we work with a couple of people who are coaching clients who are inventors and they yes. make things yes. out of thin air with ideas. They, and they're incredible. And yeah. It's they have amazing. these products that they're selling on Amazon that are their private label products. Yes. They generally don't offer that up for sale for other third-party sellers. Sometimes yes. they do. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then there's the a different kind of private or a private listing. Uh, and this is what we call private listings. These are the private listings that we generally leverage through a, a registered trademark. Mm-hmm. So with a registered trademark, you can get into Amazon brand registry, and then you can package things under your brand, whether it's your items, some nationally known brands together with your items. Think of like BarkBox or other subscription mm-hmm. box type services where you could do it under your... Like, let's take BarkBox, for example. Okay. Right? BarkBox is the brand. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is putting like 10 or 12 other branded items in their own box and right. sending it to the customer. Right. I shouldn't say that's all they're doing. No. That in itself is a feat. Yeah. Right? You have to. <laughs> we have, as we have found. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not as easy you as find just things do that. people want. Right. But people uh, will pay for. But that is more of a, you've got your own trademark, your own brand, and you're putting other uh, branded things into a box and then offering that. Right. And just like BarkBox, we know this because we have a grand dog and he gets a BarkBox <laughs> every month and there's a toy in it. Yeah. Every month there's a, another special little toy, which is what they put in there that's different than the other items that are branded, uh, already branded and mm-hmm. you could buy by themselves. Right. So that's kind of the way you can do the trademark box with a trademarked item inside of it. Mm-hmm. 
And let's say you were just trying to get going with your own dog toy or whatever. Mm -hmm. You could have that made under your brand and include that in your brand, uh, in your bark box too, if you want yeah. to, right? Yeah, sure. And then the third style is what's really popular right now, the brand of bundle strategy, which is basically taking nationally known brands that you already know, bundle that together with some merch, like what I call it merch or uh, promotional item, right? Swag type things that nobody else can replicate or make it's very difficult for someone else mm -hmm. to replicate that adds value to um, the other items that you're selling. And then that is another way to differentiate from the community listing, right? And that's right. the reason I wanted to talk about it was how do we differentiate from community listings mm -hmm. as we sort of learn more and more about the platform? Mm -hmm. um, how do we get better at this? When when should we, not when, but what other kind of strategies could we implement eventually? Yeah. So that's that's good information about that. And there is some really good training out there right now that just came out not too long ago about branded bundles. Mm -hmm. Leanna Croco and Nathan Bailey are doing that. They have a whole whole course about how to manage that. So there's all kinds of information out there about all of these things, of course. But we were talking about this on the way up and we thought, you know, since we like to, to um, talk about the fundamentals and the basics, we mm -hmm. thought we'd, we'd kind of tell you where, what we thought when we first started and how that kind of developed for us. So let's go back to the community listings, which okay. is where most people start, including us. Uh -huh. And um, we still sell on a lot of community listings. Mm -hmm. And we obviously, we talk about three-step check and four-week tests yes. um, to get you to five figures in six months. Mm -hmm. So you, we are dealing with a lot of uh, coaching clients on a weekly basis. We were doing the math on this earlier. Yeah. Um, I do up to eight sessions a week and you do up to 20 Maybe sessions up a week. Up to 20, yeah. yeah. So um, between the two of us, we are talking up with up to 28 different people each week. Every week. Very rarely yeah. do I get two uh, coaching clients in the same week, just because normally there's a work that needs to be done before we get back together. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So 28 different folks were looking, we're working with them on their business and finding items to test, finding test worthy ASINs, going through that process and then helping them, you know, get things prepped and on the way to Amazon if they're, uh, unless they're using a prep center, but we had some feedback this week. We and, did. And I wanted you to kind of share what some of that was. Well, it's actually been the last couple of weeks, but I've had no no less than four people in the last couple of weeks who were just getting started and just started the four-week test where they had sent in some shipments regularly, five tests a week, five tests a week, five tests a week, until one of them became available and they started the four-week test. And they told me, each of these people had told me that either in the very, at the very first price that they had, and Brian, uh, you can explain to them a little bit about how the pricing works, but mm -hmm. we start them at the first price, which is the highest price that you have evidence of at all in the last 90 days is where, where they start their price. So they start the price there and then they move down a little bit if it, you know, leave it there for a week, move down a little bit if it doesn't sell in that first week. So the story that I wanted to tell was that I've had no less than, what did I say? You said four. Four people. That's what I thought I said. Four people, maybe more, have told me either that they sold in the first week at that very highest price that they have evidence, even though it's way above where the buy box is right now, they sold their tests, or on that first movement of their price, which is still way above the buy box. And there is no, if you look at the keep chart, there's no evidence of those sales at all. 
So this really encouraged me when so much of that is coming at one time. We've had it over time, but as we're teaching this strategy more and more, and this is what we teach in the workshop, we're going to be doing another one of those hopefully in January. Mm-hmm. And uh, information will be coming out about that soon. But these people have been selling those items for way above the buy box because they tested it there. Otherwise, they would never know. If they were convinced that they had to have the buy box, they would never know that they could have <laughs> sold it. That's what I was going to say. Okay, well, let's talk about this for a second. What okay. does a four-week test look like? We talk about the three-step check, mm-hmm. four-week test, mm-hmm. get you to five figures in sales in six months. Okay. You can, yes, if it, you're consistent. What is, well, yeah. Right. Um, consistency key. The consistency key. Cons- Don't forget the consistency key. key. Right, <laughs> right. So if assuming, I don't want to gloss over it, but I'm assuming that we're doing this, right? Five tests every week. Uh huh. What does a four-week test look like when you're sending these items in? So once the item becomes available, so it's in the available column in your inventory, that's when you start your clock. Because a lot of times you'll see that it's available to the customer, you know, a week down the road, but we don't, we don't want to start competing or, there. Yeah, a lot of times you'll see it there. three weeks down the road, especially right. as we're in Q4. Yeah. Right? I know when we're checking our shipments, stuff we recently sent in, mm-hmm. normally it would be like 10, 14 days out. Yeah. They're saying it's 30 Oh my gosh, is it that much now? My goodness. Well, so we don't want to compete our time there. So we wait until it becomes available for our test. We're testing small, just three or four items at a time. Mm -hmm. And we're testing five ASINs a week. When that first one becomes available, then we're going to start it at that very highest price that we saw evidence when we saw the potential profit in the three-step check. And we're going to uh, list it there for one week. If it doesn't sell in one week, then we're going to gradually go down on our price every week until we get to the minimum that would make our replants list, which is usually a start off people with 20% ROI. If it still doesn't sell, well, we have evidence because we've done the three-step check that we probably won't have to go below our break even. We could probably get all our money back. Mm-hmm. We just lower how far we need to lower the price, get our money back and go put that in another test. But what I'm talking about, these people are telling me over and over in the last couple of weeks is in the in the Kickstart group and um, clients of ours are telling us that they put it in at that highest number and it's old that first week or they changed the price one time and it sold in that second second okay. week. So let me just recap this. We okay. send it in at if we're doing our three step check. Mm-hmm. One, the third step is what is our max? What's our upside check? Yeah. Right? What's our what, what profit potential do yeah. we see evidence of? Yeah. And so let's just say we had evidence, you know, 66 days ago that the price that the buy box was at $30 Mm -hmm. and $30 is whatever, let's call it hundred percent ROI for us. Okay. Okay. But Um, the buy box now is the buy box now maybe is like 40% ROI. Right. Okay. And so, but we still send it in and we price it at that $30 price point. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is that these, this feedback we've been getting, and I want to clear something up here in just a minute is that they sell it either right there on that first week at 100% ROI or whatever the ROI is, I'm making up that number, mm-hmm. or after their first reprice, which is... Maybe it's 80%. Yeah, maybe ROI. it's 80%, right. Right. Okay, so that's awesome. Now, when you were doing, when you were looking at this and you're working with the client mm-hmm. and they said, oh, I sent this in and I sold it for the highest price. And you're like, when did you sell it? And they said, two days ago. Mm-hmm. And you went and pulled up the Keepa chart. Mm-hmm. Did you see that the buy box line had registered their sale at whatever price they said they sold it at? No, I did not. Ah, wonder why. 
because Keepa doesn't capture every single sale. Right. That's why we have to know and be aware that just a little bit of evidence will give us a lot of clue that we should test or not test. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just because you haven't seen the buy box there before doesn't mean it hasn't been there before. and doesn't mean that you have to have the buy box to sell it. The exactly. buy box may look different to you than it does to someone in a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. They are really, really. Okay. So one of the things that contributes to this is the warehouses and the number of warehouses is what you were telling me earlier. Fulfillment Talk centers. to me about yeah. that. The, the fulfillment, Amazon fulfillment centers. Talk to me about that, how that can affect. So I did a little bit of research on the number of fulfillment centers because as long as we've been in the business, like they're constantly building new ones. Like I remember mm-hmm. our home fulfillment center used to be in like, it was in California yeah, somewhere or something. It was the Raiders. Where did the where are the Raiders from? <laughs> who, who knows anymore? <laughs> Oakland. It was like in the Oakland area, right? The original they're not Raiders. Not from there anymore, right? I said where they're from. <laughs> oh, right? okay. Where um, they started. At. Yeah. So we used to have to send to that area. It was the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. um, all of our shipments when we had sufficient quantity that we didn't get parted out into three different uh, warehouses, were going to there, and then eventually it moved to Phoenix. And mm-hmm. then it moved to, right now, it's Las Vegas for us. Where Even, the Raiders are now. <laughs> right, where the Raiders are now. Even though there are multiple fulfillment centers in our backyard. We live in Denver. Yes. There are a lot. There's Amazon presence there, just like there is in every major city. And so 10 years ago, in mm-hmm. 2013, there were 40-ish fulfillment centers. Really? Across the entire country. Okay. Okay. Today, in 2023, there are 175. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so they're building big, more all the time. Big jump. And they're building more all the time. So what, ha- so what does this mean? No, so yeah, what does I, that mean? Okay, I, I so answer now, your question. So now. Yeah. <laughs> now, what? how does that affect the buy box and the um, impact on what kind of buy box you get compared to me? So that's what I was, If you're in a different part of the country, not you and me, we probably get the same one. But. Right. Well, that's why I was <laughs> referencing the number of clients that we're working with throughout the week, because we may be working with someone in Seattle mm-hmm. um, or New York or Miami or Alabama or whatever. And mm-hmm. when we are- Or both, across the world. Or in well. Australia or Taiwan or-, or Singapore. Or Singapore, or, right. Okay. UK. Right. And so when we are often pulling up the same listing together, mm-hmm. okay, now we're on a Zoom session, they're pulling it up on their side, I'm pulling it up on my side. Mm-hmm. We can see and frequently do see mm-hmm. different results of that listing in terms of what the buy box looks like and if the buy box even exists. Right. Sometimes there was one case where the buy box existed for me and not for the client. Mm-hmm. I've seen that before too. Right. So why, why, We don't know exactly for sure. I mean, actually, maybe we'll put some uh, show notes in here about the terms of service, not terms of service, but where it explains the buy box. Yeah, there's an article in Amazon that explains the buy box, and Mm -hmm. it does say that location does have something to do with the buy box that you see. So we do often see a different buy box, even a different seller in the buy box Mm -hmm. where we are compared to the person we're talking to across the country or across the world. So that's why. It makes a difference to have so many warehouses or so many, uh, what do you call them, fulfillment centers, Mm -hmm. because there are so many different places now that can have a different different, inventory. uh, inventory. Yeah, so it creates a different buy box Mm -hmm. for a different person who's shopping across the country, across the world. Okay, now let me circle back to the... uh... The good news. Hey, I sent in my thing and I didn't have yes. to reprice it. I sold it for max price. Yep. Was that every single ASIN in their test? No, 
Right. No, it was not. Right. It is not going to be every single race. It is not going to be. No, that's a, that's a high expectation. Yeah. It's not. Now, the more you do this, the more of those that you will find. Yes. Right. The more you go probing for those kinds of listings. It's like, you know, if before you owned the color car and year of car that you have now, you probably didn't notice that many of them. But mm-hmm. once you own that car and uh, year and color, now you see them everywhere. It's, yes. It's similar when you start looking for those kinds of listings. Unfortunately, it's not just easy to the eye to figure that out. You have mm-hmm. to test it. There's the only way there's evidence out there that it could work in your favor that way. But mm-hmm. the only way to get the proof is to actually send in the items and get your own experience in that ASIN. Mm-hmm. That's very that's very true. I think that kind of wraps it up. The, the point is, it's just a test. Test it. It mm-hmm. may work out for you better than you can even imagine. And if you want to know more about the three-step check and the four-week test, which can get you to five figures within six months very easily, you let us know, or you go to provenamazoncourse.com slash 100, 100, and tell us where you'd like to see us do the next one, mm-hmm. what city you'd like to see us do it in, fill out that questionnaire and give us some feedback and see what we can do for you, okay? All right, so let's now circle back to maybe where we started versus okay. where we are. All right. Okay. Which is a has been a bit of a road, but right. it's been good the whole time. And where we I are mean, overall. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. So I remember I took a job that required this commute. Yes. I was doing like 45 minutes to an hour 15, sometimes an hour and a half each way. Right. Depending on traffic. traffic <laughs> yes. And weather. Right. <laughs> and so I was got the bug to get started in the entrepreneurial space again after some time away mm-hmm. and started. Digging into podcasts. Podcasts were new to me back then. This is, mm-hmm. you know, 2015, 2016. No, mm-hmm. no, no, it was 2017. Sorry. Tw- yeah, 2017. Yeah. 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. And so I started digging around in these various podcasts. So I found this one, led me to another one, led me to another one. Eventually, is how I ended up here with how we ended up here with the silent sales machine group, the MST community, my silent team, is because of a you know podcast friend of a podcast friend. Right. And um, what was really interesting about that to me is that I always gravitated back toward this community Mm, because as you were looking through different podcasts. Yeah. It's one of these things that I talk a lot about with people that, you know, from a leadership perspective, Mm -hmm. teamwork, trust, and consistency are like really important to overall success. And trust is the number one reason that I kept coming back to this community Mm -hmm. and eventually decided to just hang hang around here. Yeah. And so what made you feel feel the trust as you were listening to the podcast and you hear people's stories, their success stories? And well, that was it. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was normal people like me. And they were like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. I figured out how to do this. And, and now I sell, you know, $20,000 a month. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, yeah. I can do that. I can figure that out. Right. Right. right? right. This is the normal like- person who's a nurse or a normal person who uh, drives for UPS or a mm-hmm. normal person who... But I'm like, well, I'm a normal person. I can figure that out. <laughs> so right? it was very encouraging to you mm-hmm. the way it's set up. So yeah, that's that's nice. And so you initially uh, listened to the podcast and you told me about it and we did some stuff together, but we made some decisions together and you got some training. Yeah. Then I, you know, signed up for coaching and right. Every, right. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. And then the rest is history. I don't want to rehash that here, but. <laughs> But um, the point of that is where I wanted to go is like, it started with a podcast yes. that led to a Paw Patrol toy yes. for me. And the Paw Patrol toy was the first like proof of concept, even though I never was able to sell it. I could see, <laughs> how, could the, see, I could see how it worked. 
And then today, because of that, mm-hmm. because of the people who com- who contribute to the community in the Facebook group, in the podcasts, our tr- life trajectory is different. Really, really, yes. More than just that one business, we have we have several businesses now that have spun off of this, and uh, several income sources that have spun off of this. And this is this has really, really the way this community communicates with each other is really part of the reason that we have been able to be so successful in in the places we have been. So we are very grateful for all of you in the community (laughs) and all of the people, the leadership of the community, of course, and all the opportunities that we've been given here. But I wanted to say too, that in the Kickstart Bootcamp, which I have the privilege of, of working with most of the time, that is a great place to get that proof of concept like you did with that Paw Patrol toy. Mm-hmm. Get that proof of concept. Go through that process just one time to see how it works. Take some of that unknown away. It's very inexpensive. Um, support at SilentSalesMachine.com can give you information on that and get you signed up for that. Um, it's only for proven Amazon course members. So you would have to be a member of PAC, but shoot, there's so much value in just being a member of PAC. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. So that leads me to kind of wrapping this thing up. Yes. Okay. You know, I like the quotes. Yes. Came across a quote this week from? From, uh, I don't know who it's I from. didn't write down who oh, it was from. Oh, Bob Proctor. <laughs> Bob, from Bob Proctor. Proctor. That's right. Yes. How can I forget Bob? <laughs> the only limits in our life are those that we impose on ourselves. And mm. this is absolutely true. One of the things that we've learned since we've started doing, uh, since we've been involved in this community and with this business is that we are the architects of our own destiny, mm-hmm. if you will. And so just decide what it is that you're not willing to compromise on and get in the game. And the first exactly. two steps are of those two of that is getting in pack, proven mm-hmm. Amazon course, and then getting in the, the Kickstart Bootcamp help mm-hmm. you get through that first cycle. It's this cycle that you have to go through from sourcing, shopping, prepping, shipping, managing the sale, you know, getting that, going through that whole life cycle of selling a product mm-hmm. is not nothing, mm-hmm. right? We take for granted today, a lot, almost everything that we do in the business, but we forget sometimes that people aren't used to ordering things maybe on online and they get something that they didn't expect mm-hmm. um, because they weren't, the level of detail that you have to pay attention to make sure you're getting all the right pieces and parts is really important. We had to learn that at one point we had to make mistakes and realize, Oh, I need to pay attention to that. And Mm -hmm. there are things that just taking action will help you get more and more comfortable with, with the whole thing. But the best thing is to have more ASINs. More ASINs. Yeah. So what do you do if you sent in five tests, one of them sold at the highest price, two of them sold at the, you know, break even price, uh, no, whatever mm-hmm. your requirement, minimum profit requirement was. And the other two, you had to sell at break even. Oh. How, do you, how do you solve that problem? Test more ASINs. Test more ASINs. <laughs> All right. All right. Test more ASINs. Thanks everyone. Thanks we'll talk you guys. To you soon. Talk to you later. So, Hey, before I let you go, that was a great episode, but I've got a guest I want to reintroduce you to. Mr. Jeff Schick has joined us again. Of course, he's our favorite legal expert around here, all things Amazon legal and some of the issues you can find yourself tangled in. He helps you get out of those. What do you want to talk about today, Jeff? So what I want to talk about today is generic product listings. And 
kind of the pitfalls and things to watch out for with them. So, you know, I guess when you think of generic, what comes to your mind, Jim? Yeah. You know, I, I think of a brand that isn't really associated with anything major, you know, a generic brand, maybe would be the store label brand, you know, at, right. a, at a grocery store, you know, that's what comes to mind for me. So I think about it even a little bit more simplistic than that. Like, you know, think about like pickles and you go to the grocery store and you see, I think Vlasic is like the big one that people see in the States. And so you've got Vlasic pickles. That's obviously a brand. And if you get Publix pickles, then that's a, a brand as well. So how do, what would be a true generic in my mind would be the tomato, that tomato that's sitting on the shelf that has no sticker designating where it came from whatsoever, right. completely right. unbranded. So when we think about Amazon, they've been really cracking down on these uh, generic listings. So people have been, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, when you're finding replens, you might find a product that has a listing and you, you see two listings. And one of them is, you know, I don't know, let's find, what is our replay today? It's going to be Logitech mouse because <laughs> that's sitting in front of me. So we've got good. a Logitech mouse and we found this re, you know, amazing stock of hundreds of Logitech mice that we're going to send in. And we go to create a listing and Logitech is gated. And so some sellers will say, well, I've got a hundred Logitech mice that I just bought. What do I do with them? And they'll go and they'll create a new listing and they'll type in Logitech and Amazon will say, no, you, you can't use Logitech because it's already taken. So what we've been seeing a rise of is sellers who said, okay, well, I can't take Logitech. I'm going to just put, you know, this mouse looks generic enough to me. I'm just going to say it's generic. And I'm going to sell this as a generic mouse and then list it as a Logitech mouse in the title and the bullet points and a description. So that's where Amazon's been cracking down over the last, uh, I'd say probably one and a half to two weeks. They've been cracking down pretty harshly um, against those types of listings. And so we want to watch out for it and make sure that they're, you know, that we're not not listing on them because those wouldn't be the proper listing. It should be Logitech. So and even it, if you're not the original seller who set up the bad listing, yeah, you could still be punished for selling against it because you could be an innocent replen seller who has two or three units to sell and you find this great performing ASIN, but the brand is generic. Or as we've mentioned in a past session, it's maybe a misspelled version of Logitech, Logi-Tech or something to try to get past the filters. Avoid those. You don't want that brand field to misrepresent the actual brand, or you will probably be sitting on an ASIN that will eventually be pulled and shut down. Right. And what's been really odd about these uh, cases that I've seen in the last week, the sellers that are affected have, you know, they're replant sellers. They did not create these listings. And what's even more concerning is that in one case, or I should say in, in three cases, I have three separate sellers. They were all listed against the same ASIN that was listed as generic. What's even more concerning is that that listing wasn't taken down. So Amazon identified the problem. They suspended hmm. these sellers that were listed on the ASIN, but they didn't take the ASIN down. So now there's new sellers going in on that listing that are doing the exact same thing and mistakenly listing on it. So it's almost like it's a trap <laughs> sitting there waiting for people to step on it or something. <laughs> it is really weird. It's a minefield for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely like a landmine. So yeah. And anytime we say suspension, you know, what are the prospects of these folks getting their accounts back? It's always a painful inconvenient thing for sure. But you feeling good about the, the accounts be being restored? Absolutely. Yeah. We've restored, you know, two of them so far in the last couple of weeks here. You know, they sometimes can take longer than others. You know, unfortunately, this type of suspension is what we would call a fraud category. So Amazon generally you know, splits suspensions into different categories. So there's 
you know, performance related, you know, late shipment rates, order defects, things like that. Those are, I'd, you know, I'd call those your diet suspensions because a good plan of action and some solid, you know, corrective actions will get you back pretty fast. You've got your intellectual property suspensions. Those are, you know, you sold a listing that has a trademark complaint or a counterfeit or copyright. Again, inconvenient, but recoverable in most cases, as long as you've got good documentation and weren't intentionally selling counterfeits. And then the third category is the fraud category. And those are, you know, where people have engaged in actions that Amazon thinks are fraud, even though, as I know, these are innocent sellers that were never intending to defraud anyone. It's just Amazon, it has that appearance. And so the whole, you know, as soon, as soon as we can convey to Amazon that this was just a mistake, that it's not fraud, and that this won't happen again, you know, they're not, their goal is to get productive, non-fraudulent sellers back on the platform. Whereas the sellers that were intentionally engaging in fraud, well, those sellers obviously do not get back on the platform. Right, right. And ha- so just to sum up, how can we prevent this type of challenge in our account? That we Can we search our entire inventory for brand generic? You can, yeah. Go to manage inventory, hit that search field and type in generic. And if it if you have anything that matches, it's going to come back and that's a perfect time to re-examine those listings. Ideally, you'll click type that in and hit search and it'll say zero results found. And if you do find talking. some, what should you do? Well, if you do find them, yeah, you know, I don't know. Talk to me, <laughs> come up with a plan because, you know, the first step would be obviously to delete them. And then second step is come up with a plan for how do we, how do we handle it next and keep a list of anything you delete because Amazon is data driven. If you delete 17 ASINs that you find that said generic, open a word doc and copy all those ASINs as you're deleting them. So that way, you know that you have you have a record if it ever comes back up again that you can say, "Hey, Amazon, we identified this problem on you know November first or November second, whatever day it may be, and these are the ASINs we deleted." Before yeah, and they'll look more favorably if you make a mistake. He's like, hey, "Okay, this is the guy who's trying to play by the rules." Correct. Great tip. And one thing I want to do before we wrap up most of these sessions, I want to give you the chance, Jeff. How can people hire you and put you on retainer? How's that work? Absolutely. So it's as you know, some people, most of our listeners probably know it's $89 a month. You sign up at jeffschick.com and that gives you unlimited access to our team. It gives you full protection against, you know, virtually anything that goes wrong on Amazon or Walmart, um, as well as Etsy and the other marketplaces. And I know we'll talk about in one of my one of our future segments that I'm working on a Walmart case right now. So it'll be interesting to talk about that one and see the differences between Walmart and Amazon, but we help sellers on those that platform too. So outstanding. Well, always time well spent. Thanks for hanging out with me today, Jeff. I'm sure the listeners benefited greatly and we'll do this again soon, okay? Awesome. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentjim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.